I, I was way too uh, young to be the pastor when he was there. <laughs> I am getting older, though. I turned 60 this year. I was just like, it doesn't seem possible. I look so good, huh? <laughs> so uh, there's this man named George, and he was 80 years old. And he went over to visit a, fr some friends of his, a couple, and he had dinner with them. And uh, afterwards, he noticed that the man was being very flattering the whole time to his wife, saying, calling her honey and sweet, sweetie, and all these nice things. And he finally said to her at the end, to him, his friend at the end, I'm so impressed that you're so affectionate toward your wife. You've been married like 60 years. And, I'm so impressed. He goes, well, he hung his head. He goes, I tell you the truth, I forgot her name about 10 years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm starting to relate to that a little bit. But I, my wife's name's Cheryl, so I still do remember. Uh, I think I started coming over to the UK probably about 1984 or five and been over many, many times over here and always enjoy being with you. And um, congratulations, by the way, on your 25th. That's uh, quite an accomplishment. I don't know if you understand this. Maybe you're new here. Maybe you've been here a long time. But if somebody's going to be in ministry for as long as uh, uh, they've been in ministry, you have to work through a lot of things to not just quit. And so I just want to commend you guys on, on just hanging in there and, and being faithful for many, many years. It's a, it's a good thing. I've, there's a lot of people that are flashes, you know, for 15 minutes for a couple of years and do well and then blow up. But the people that I now respect are the ones that have done this for 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 years. Those are my heroes. And uh, I know you have a good, solid church here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I've been meditating on thinking about uh, a very simple, but I think profound thought uh, for the last three or four months. And I'm going to share out of that reality. Most of what I share in the pulpit anyway is out of my own kind of sense of what God is doing with me and with us. And so this will be between a sermon and a prophetic word somewhere in that kind of realm. And uh, I hope it'll be helpful to you. This is something that I think almost everybody in the room knows. Um, I'm going to, by the way, read from Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14 in a minute here. But let me just introduce this a little bit. Uh, in, in, in the, before the fall began in, in uh, California, what, what you call it autumn, right? Not, not the fall. Okay, autumn. And uh, I, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, teach the people that God is in them. That God is in them. And, you know, of course, you know, I'm sure most of you in this room know that. I, I think there's a difference between knowing it and uh, being conscious of it on a regular basis. Uh, maybe, so this may be for many of you, just a reminder, maybe for some of you it, it'll be new. Uh, there was a time when I didn't understand. I did not grow up in the church. I am the son of a Jewish 
businessman. My mother was a nominal Catholic, and their solution to what they called the religion problem uh, was to do nothing for us. So we grew up in a spiritual vacuum. And at 19, I moved to from New York, where I grew up, to California to go surfing and ran into this massive wave of young people coming to know Jesus. It was called the Jesus Movement. And it was ridiculous after a while. I'd be at a party and somebody talked to me about Jesus. There was a point where somebody paddled up next to me on my surfboard and talked to me about Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and finally I ended up at a basketball court in uh, Pacific Palisades, which is kind of near Malibu and Santa Monica. And I, I met the man who was going to be most influential leading me to Christ named Linus. And he said to me, after we played basketball for a little while, he said, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think I sort of laughed and and then thought, what in the world is he talking about? (laughs) I have no idea. You might as well be talking Chinese to me. It would be, you know. Uh, But for some reason, I liked Linus, and so we ended up hanging out. Uh, for a while and one day as I was driving home from his house nothing had made sense to me such so far I prayed and as far as I know this was the first time I'd ever prayed I said God (laughs) this is my prayer this will tell you where I was at God if you're real show me yourself if you're not real you don't hear this anyway (laughs) (laughs) so Uh, It was amazing, though. It's like we had been studying the Gospel of John a little bit together. Nothing made sense to me. And so the next day, I showed up at Linus's house. We played some basketball, and then we studied the Gospel of John. And all of a sudden, Jesus made sense. I don't know how else to say it. It was like my eyes were opened. And that, that day began this just radical change in my life from completely unaware of spiritual things to completely engulfed in this new reality where everything in my life was changing so fast it was mind-numbing. So, you know, that year I really learned who God was and, uh, and the reality of who God was. And I'll tell you a little bit of my story as we go through this, but think about this for a minute. It, It is true that God lives in you. I mean, that's a pretty amazing thing, right? Just look around, you're pretty normal people, right? Just your average, everyday kind of reality of people, and God lives in. So, so it's nice that Chris is here, but Chris is here and God is in him. So what's, what this truth is doing for me, and I'm hearing stories back from our congregation as well, is it's changing my awareness. So when I walk into the coffee shop, which I, I love coffee, so I always hang out at the coffee shop. When I walk into the coffee shop, it's not just Lance showing up. It's God and Lance showing up. By the way, this is a little bit of a side thing, but this really is in the middle of this. A number of years ago, God begin to speak to me about the names in the Bible, God of Abraham, God of Jacob, you know, God of David, all the various famous people that we know. And then he said, and God of Lance. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, God of Lance, God of Lance. But the truth is, 
He's God of you and you and you and you. He's not just the God that's back there, you know, the God of Abraham or the God of Jacob or the God of all. And those are wonderful, amazing stories, but he's the God of Lance. That's pretty incredible. That's a great privilege. And he's not only near me and around me and with me and all those things that we know in the vineyard, but he's in me. That means I don't have to be at a special meeting for him to be there. I don't have to even be with other believers, although there's another reality to two or three gathered in his name. But he's in me. And, And to the degree that I can keep that in my consciousness, I can access all the realities of who he is. And I'll tell you what I mean by that in a minute. Let me read, read this, this text. This is a wonderful text about who we are in Christ. Now, there's two ways that Paul puts this. In Ephesians, he puts it like this. In Colossians, he puts it the opposite way. He talks about Christ in us. But here, he, he talks about us being in Christ. So let me read. Paul, an apostle of of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Catch this. With every spiritual blessing in Christ. So you are in Christ. Christ is in you. You have every spirit you have. It's not like you're going to get someday when, when you go to glory. It's, it's you have now in you every spiritual blessing. And he's going to tell us what some of those are. This isn't a comprehensive list. But that's an amazing thing, right? Think of every imaginable blessing that you can think of. That's all in you. Because God is in you. So just take this. God is love, right? We know that. From the Bible, God is love. All that's in you. I think sometimes we think in Christianity and even in the vineyard, and this isn't completely wrong, God's out there and we have to access him, we have to bring him down, we have to ask for him to come, and, and that's all good and fine, and that's, there's language like that in the Bible. But it's even better than that. It's God is near you, God is with you, and God is in you. So I'm at the golf course the other day. I, I uh, hack little balls around green places once a week. And uh, I'm there, and one of the guys says to me, hey, he's not a Christian. He goes, what are you preaching on lately? I'm saying, God in us. He goes, where's that in the Bible? So I, I said, everywhere. <laughs> it's, it's like, <laughs> where's that in the Bible? That's like, you grumpy fart. I I said that under my breath, though, not to his face. Because Christian would never say that to his face, no. All right. So we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. He, he, He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. This is a mind boggling text here. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, that's the same kind of phrase as in Christ, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, 
in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So what if you walked around conscious of this reality all the time? So when I come down and I meet you and I shake your hand, it's not just me meeting you, it's God in me, God in you, and there's some bond, and there is a bond. I don't know how much you've traveled around the world and been in different contexts of the church and different languages and everything. I, I remember this, this reality striking me of Christ being in me and Christ being in this other person. I was meeting with Yorgi Vins, who was a person that was sent away to the, con to the, the Siberian camps for being an evangelist in Russia. I was meeting with his mom. She's speaking in Russian through an interpreter to me. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling this amazing connection with her and this amazing, uh, just the spirit being there coming upon our moment in our meeting because God is in you and God is in me despite whether I know your language or don't know your language. God actually literally lives in you. Just stop and think about that for a minute. He's not only in the super spiritual people in the room or the extra gifted people in the room. He's in every single believer in the room and potentially could be in every person in this room. So our text today just kind of spells out that reality. This God who is in you is the source of everything, of every spiritual blessing. So let me just take a couple of things that, that he says here. One of the, th the plagues in the church is insecurity. And I find just as I move around the church, lots and lots of insecurity, not just in the regular people in the church, but in the leaders and everybody, just we're all kind of insecure. The only thing that chases that insecurity away is a solid understanding of the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of that love. But this is the deal, is that love is in us, and that love is an endless supply. I love Ed Purick, uh, one of our pastors in the States. He, I love what he says. He, he always used the term big love. God has big love for you, not just average love, not just regular love. He has big love for you, and that love is in you. That love is in you. 
That's why Paul prays later in Ephesians that people might know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of God's love. Okay, so let me say it to you like this. We know that the Holy Spirit does certain things. We know the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Most of us in this room probably know that. But something that's kind of a hidden reality that's in the scripture, but I don't find many people know, is one of the other things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives is he convinces us that God loves us. And you might think, well, that should be automatic. You know, a person becomes a Christian and they just know that they're loved. But because we come in so damaged and so beat up and so not having been loved, it many times takes normal people like me and you a long time before we really accept the fact that we're secure and loved by God, not only for now, but for eternity. That's the Holy Spirit that's working on that reality from within, from within so that we might work it out, but he's doing that inner work. So when we think of God in us, think of the God who is love. Think of the God who is powerfully that he talks about here that, that raised Jesus from the dead. So I got uh, a thousand stories, so I'll try to contain myself. But um, so this is just like just happened this week right before I came. So I'll, I'll give you a new one. So we have, uh, I don't know, if, uh, t- correct me if this is not the same language you use for these things. Do you know what pole dancing is? <laughs> yes? Okay, well I won't describe it too much, but, so anyway, uh, for those of you who know what that is, if not, ask me later, but, but uh, or one of the rest of you that knows. So we um, had a pole dancer show up at one of our, what we call our home groups or our kinship groups, I don't know what you guys call them here, small groups, and she got wonderfully saved, Okay. So, you know, you would think, well, she'll stop pole dancing and come and join the church and, you know, leave all that behind, which may be the end of that story. I don't know that end of that story yet. So anyway, she gets saved and she starts coming to church. By the way, she led the manager of the establishment to the Lord and now six other women to the Lord in in the pole at at, at the strip club. So she knows nothing, right? Uh, by the way, they play my sermons before they go on stage. <laughs> that, no, that's really happening right now. They're, they're, they, they're doing my sermons, in the, and then they turn it off, and then the customers come in, and it all begins. <laughs> I haven't been there, so I haven't actually personally witnessed this. I just want to make that clear. But uh, anyway, so she's sitting in church Sunday, right? And I'm talking like I normally do. And... She had cracked three of her ribs pole dancing. Okay, so, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a rib cracked. I have from playing lacrosse, and it could be really painful. So she's sitting in church. She's kind of uncomfortable. I'm teaching, and all of a sudden she hears pop, pop, pop. (laughs) And the Lord completely healed uh, all of her ribs, put them all back in place, and nicely rearranged things. And and, uh, so that was Sunday before I came. That's pretty good, huh? So, so, so what's happening there? You know, Chris mentioned where, where the presence of God is, the power of God is there. And by the way, if you get that order mixed up, you're in trouble. I remember in the, in the early days of the vineyard, there was a fellow named Blaine Cook, 
And Blaine and I worked at uh, you know, the office in Anaheim there together. And we would travel. And after we traveled a while, there was lots happening as we traveled. And we were young in our 20s and kind of full of ourselves uh, more than even now. And, and, and uh, I remember coming back, and we were all telling stories and, and rejoicing in what God had happened. And Carol Wimber, John Wimber, is the founder of the Vineyard. His, she sat us down. She said, you guys think you're experts now, don't you? He goes, let me tell you something. It's always the presence first and the power second. And you want to seek God's presence, and when you have God's presence, you'll have God's power. So nobody prayed for the pole dancer. We were just in God's presence. And if you get in God's presence and live in an awareness of God's presence, all things are possible to you. Because it's not then just you trying to figure it out. It's God doing whatever he wants to do. So I used to go to Starbucks all the time. That was the coffee shop I hang out. So this will be a little strange story. So I'm going to Starbucks one day. I'd been there probably for the last couple of years. And, and God says to me, go to Coffee Bean. <laughs> you wouldn't think God would say those kind of things, but he actually does. So I said, oh, Okay. I kind of actually argued because I knew a lot of people at Starbucks at the time, but but I went. I'm like that guy in the parable, the second son. But so I I went, and so I I walk in, and I walk right into the middle of the manager, who is a 20-something-year-old girl with, well, I won't describe her, but she's a 20-something-year-old girl that works, this is the manager. And I walk in, and she's talking about her parents and how... They're Christians, and they're so strict, and they're rotten, and I just hate them, and, and they have so many rules, and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'm overhearing all this. She's telling this to a fellow employee, and I finally said to her, um, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And she goes, yeah. She goes, I said, I said, I know you think that's what Christianity is all about, those things you were just talking about, but let me just tell you what it's about. It's about a real relationship with the real and living God. That was literally all I say. So she goes on with her barista duties, and I go and read or whatever I was doing. So the next time I come in, she's there again. She comes up. She comes running. You know how waiters or waiters, I don't know if you do this in your state, but they get down to your level at your table. She did that at my table. And she goes, oh, my God, Lance. What you said to me changed my whole life. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, no, you know, I'm like a bit more surprised by her. Well, what happened was she went home, and I guess I don't remember saying this at all, but she went home and got a Bible and read the Gospel of John and came back, and, and she had somehow gotten saved in the process of this. And, and uh, she's now actually going into the ministry, this girl. But it, it was, I mean, there's a lot of bits to that story. I could tell it for an hour. But, but so I'm walking into Starbucks or Coffee Bean as I did that day. That's no big deal. Lance shows up at Starbucks. We're not making any headlines here. But when God comes in, then all things are possible. And God happens to live in me and you. But not all of you believe that. 
Not to the degree where you'll go somewhere expecting that maybe almost anything could happen here. I'm just learning it. I've been doing this 40 years. I mean, I know you believe that about some of your leaders, maybe some of the people in the church that you, you know, respect the most, but the truth is the Bible teaches that we are all children of the living God and we all have God living in us. So Paul talks here about power, he talks about light. I don't know if you know this, but part of the background of the vineyard movement is we come out of Quakerism. Did you know that? You know, the Wimbers were in a Quaker church uh, and, and kind of brought some things from that, not everything. But one of the things that the Quakers talked about all the time was the inner light. That's how they referred to the Holy Spirit, the inner, inner light. Well, it's true. We have an inner light that is the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of truth and power and love Maybe another way to think about it is what is the very first fruit of the Holy Spirit? It's love, right? It's love. What's going to happen if God's in us and God's active in us? And God just doesn't, he's not just sitting in us. He's doing stuff in us. But this is the deal. It's not just in us because everything he does in us, he then wants to do through us. So power, light, presence. You know, one of the realities you see in the Gospel of John in particular is that where Jesus is, where the presence of God is, there is, as it says in the Old Testament, fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. And, you know, we could just keep piling these things up. This has started to make me think different even about healing. What if... If God is in you and healing sort of rises up in you as opposed to coming down upon you, which is also true, by the way. What if the God who heals is with you always? You can access it any time at any, any moment. So healing, speaking, listening, the still small voice speaking within you, this is all the reality of God being in us, truth that he reminds us and helps us with the words of Jesus. Even a sense that he talks about here of adoption or or belonging that we are included. Here's a mind-boggling truth. You have been invited into the fellowship that is the Trinity. Do you believe that? You have been invited into the small group, so to speak, that is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And don't take my word for it. Read 1 John chapter 1. It talks all about that. There is grace in us. There is light in us. There is grace that is lavish, grace upon grace. There is forgiveness in us. So I'm just trying to you know, sketch this a little bit. But maybe a simple way to say it is there's a giant well of good stuff in you that you want to be able to access. That's all prayer is. Prayer is getting in touch with the God who is really real, that really has all these wonderful things to to us, that wants to give them to us and make us aware that we live in that present reality. In other words, another biblical picture here is you 
are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's an interesting thing, the way Paul talks about that in Corinthians, is it's true of you individually. It's also true of you here. So what if, when you guys showed up here every week, you thought, I'm not just going to see my friends. I'm going to be with God. That's what the Bible teaches, right? Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm, I'm right there in the midst. So, so picture this. Look around the room. You know, let's say every person in this room is a believer. Look around the room and think God lives in every single individual that's all around us right now. That's amazing. So when I look at you, I'm not just thinking, oh, that's, that's a guy, he's about 40, and you know, he uh, didn't comb his hair today, and you know, I, I'm, oh, no, no. God is in that person. God is in you, God is in, in me. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the, <laughs> you're the place where God has chosen to dwell on the earth. That's incredible. Do you know that? Do you know the church is the most important organization in the world? Did you know that? The, the church is. You know why? Not because we're so great. As a matter of fact, in and of myself, I'm nothing, you're nothing, we're just nothing. But the reality is, is we are the place where God lives on the earth. So our little gatherings that we have all over the world, they're not just little gatherings. They're places where God comes and manifests himself and, and dwells. And you know, in the end, it's going to be one big church. <laughs> it's going to be one big new heavens, new earth in the full and unadulterated presence of God. We just get to foretaste that now. And we need to learn, this is in theology called God's imminence. You know, we have his transcendence, the big God out there, but imminence means that he is near, but better than near, better than even with us, is he is in us always. So God, God is in you. So I've been preaching this message in some form or another for the last six weeks or so, and it's interesting, the stories that are starting to come back, because honestly, I hope you believe this, if you become aware of this, it opens up a whole realm of spiritual reality that you, you may be not experiencing right now. Because if God goes with you everywhere, it, it changes things. And that is the truth that the Bible teaches, right? You know, God doesn't come and go you know, on you. He's not like, I like Chris today, but he's not behaving so well this week, so I'm gonna withdraw my presence. It doesn't work like that. God is in us will never leave us, never forsake us, is permanently in us. Paul says in Colossians, this is a great mystery. The wonderful thing about the mysteries in the New Testament is they're almost all revealed mysteries. This is a revealed mystery that only certain people in the church have gotten over the years, and we call them mystics, or we call them the really prayer for people, we call them whatever. It's supposed to be for all of us. You know, one of the beauties of the vineyard, as I know the vineyard anyway, is John kept saying, you know, don't look at me, I'm just a fat man trying to get to heaven. You know, 
That's what Wimber used to say all the time. But what he was communicating to us is, I'm nothing special. I'm nothing special. But the God who is in me, he's amazing. He's amazing. This is a great mystery. In you is a massive well of living water. A massive well of living water. And here's the great thing that this is starting to do to me. I, I can turn toward God in a millisecond because I know that he's in me. It's not like I have to pray God down or like kind of try to drag him out of heaven and get him here. No, no, no. I just turn inward to the God who is in me. I'm not turning inward to my belly button and gazing at myself. I'm turning inward to the reality that God is in me. He is imminent. So I, this is what I would, I would ask you to do if you believe that what I'm saying is true and from the Bible. Ask that that you would pray that you and the people around you would become increasingly aware of the God who is in you and would live in the reality of that truth. And I just want you to close your eyes just for a minute and then Chris is gonna come up, the band's gonna come up, but and, and I just wanna pray with you and I, just dial this reality in. God right now is in me and, and if you don't know God right now, it starts by just asking him in. So as you're listening to the, me describe what God is like, what Jesus is like, he comes in basically when we ask him to come. So if you've never done that, you just take a moment. The Bible says very simply, all call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So you, you could ask him in right now as we're bowing our heads to pray. I just want you to say... Uh, as you turn inward the name of Jesus. You don't need to do it out loud. Just, and just connect with him. Quiet yourself and connect with him. Just turn inward toward the God who is in you. And I just want you to gently ask this, what would you have for me today? Maybe a word, maybe an encouragement. Could be that he's saying that I am the God of filling your name. Just ask him what, what it is that he wants to give to you. Just take a couple of minutes here. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Thank you for the reality of you in our midst, for the reality of you within us.